Jim Rowan, how you going? It is the night of the 8th of March, 2021, and I've decided to catch up on New Japan Strong, my favorite program of all time. It is a rainy night, actually. I hope you can't hear it. It's raining outside, not heavily. But it's nice, I want the window open. And um, we have to go all the way back to January 30 for where I got up to last time. I don't remember exactly where it was that I... I mean, I could find it if I really wanted to. But the last time I did a strong catch-up, it was a fair while ago. And um, I was going to do a show for the, um, to kind of preview the Moxley and Kenta match, but that was the same weekend as Castle Attack, I did two podcasts for that, um, well, you know, look, I'm not, (laughs) my intention wasn't to start this podcast by making excuses, it's been a while, is all I mean, so, Let's uh, get into it, I guess. If you will excuse me a drink. Okay. So, all the way back on January 30th, New Japan Strong, the LA Dojo, we had the DKC versus Clark Connors. And this, if you recall, is when the DKC had just been accepted into the LA Dojo by Shibata. So he comes out here with his black trunks and his black boots. Uh, Although he hasn't had to cut his hair. He's still got his long hair. Uh, Kelly raises the interesting question of whether DKC drops his moveset for the basic Young Lion moveset. Or if he's going to be treated as a special case. Um, And I thought, well, I would expect him to wrestle the way his coach tells him to. Because isn't that the point? And, And it turns out I'm right. He pretty much... Mostly, he wrestles like a young line here, really. Um, he goes close with an armbar, but then Connors hits him with a spear, locks on the crab for the victory. Connor said he nearly had his arm broken, but he's excited about DKC's whole class, DKC included. And um, DKC said he's already learned a lot from Shibata. I don't know if I'll bring it up, but there, there was at least one... Um, difference to the DKC's moveset is that he does this he kind of like swishes his hand around in the air like he's chopping the air DKC and then he chops the guy when they're on the floor facing up he like kind of chops him in the neck it's a really silly move it's probably the one he should have gotten rid of first but he kept that one Next match was Rocky Romero versus Chris Dickinson. And uh, Dickinson wears his the strings out of his trunks like Terry Gordy, apparently, is the inspiration behind that. Everything he does is intense. They trade leg kicks and fighting spirit style, but it's just, uh, just another section of the match that Dickinson comes out on top of. Rocky defends a figure four attempt aggressively, twi- twisting... 
Dicko's knee, if I may, from his ankle. Dicko holds on to a knee bar and an extra few seconds after the rope break. Rocky pulls off an armbar out of nowhere, but he's stacked into a pin to force Rocky into ending that hold himself. Kozlov calls a Death Valley driver a burning hammer. Rocky kicks out either way, and then he's locked into a neck crank and taps out. So Dickinson's hypes, uh, hyped about the match in New Japan, about the match with Romero. He, I mean, he, he just... He's just a hyped up guy, but it was a good promo. He just kind of talks about how he is really excited to be there and that he's there to say, I mean, uh, there to stay, I should say. I mean, it's 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 all the kind of the normal stuff, but he it was just delivered well, I suppose. And then Rocky says that there's some skills, uh, or that actually that he said that uh, Dickinson has some skills, but he's got a bone to pick with that whole crew, that whole, um, what are they called? Dirty... No, he's dirty, dirty. The filthy, team filthy. That's what uh, Dickinson's a part of. And then the main event of this one was a three-on-three match. Fred Rosser, TJP, and Leo Rush took on Hikaleu, El Fantasmo, and Kenta. Rosser has the most generic hip-hop track of all time. Leo is dressed like a fly. They run in at the bell, and it's kind of an all-in brawl at the beginning. Hikaleu and the fly guy have a very uneven battle size-wise, but Rosser has the hot tag and he's able to handle the big fella. Hikolo catches TJP off the top turnbuckle, uh, or a top turnbuckle crossbody, but Rosser knocks him down as a couple of dives leading to ELP against Rush in a big upset. Rush holds ELP down with the sunset flip. I mean, I call it a big upset here. I don't know how big of an upset that is in hindsight now that I've seeing that they're somewhat pushing Rush, but Bullet Club swarm the ring, creating another brawl. The lights go out, and when they return, when the lights come back on, John Moxley is standing in the ring with the U.S. title belt. Now, this is old news now, but at the time, it was big. It was big. Uh, he struggles with Kenta, but eventually wins the confrontation with his DDT. Uh, what do you call it? Death Rider. And he takes the mic, cuts a quick promo on Kenta, more or less accepts the challenge from Kenta for his title, but um, he goes on to say that he'll get the job done in Tokyo to the camera. So um, that was misleading, again, in hindsight. But it was a big, obviously, huge, huge surprise and created a lot of buzz around the Forbidden Door Hopefully it's the last time in this podcast I say that term. Um, What I did think about the lights out thing, though, was that it didn't really make a lot of sense here. Uh, I mean, I don't know why... I mean, I I, I know you've got to be kind of taking it easy on kayfabe, but in, in kayfabe, why did he need to do that? I mean, Moxley enters from the crowd even if it's for a proper match why didn't he just run in from the crowd if he wanted to make the save and he was backstage um i know it's like a cool effect but it's a cool effect because it gets the crowd hyped the 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 lights come back on and you know and the crowd goes crazy but there's no crowd 
So, I didn't really understand why they bothered with this. Um, and also, I don't know. It doesn't have to be like a supernatural gimmick, but... I don't know. I just... I wasn't sure about it. Anyway. Whoops. Hold on. Just typed extra things. Hit my keyboard. Okay. So, uh, that was the end of the match anyway. And then backstage... Um, Rush says that he's proved to everyone that ELP's win in the Super J Cup was a cheat and a fluke. Rossa calls out Goose or Hey Goose. Um, he's going to meet whoever that is one on one, break his bones. Uh, well, breaking bones is his business, and business is good. Which, I mean, isn't a great line or anything, but I actually like this promo from Rossa because it was pretty natural and he was confident. It's just the goose part. I think what he meant was... I think he meant Hiku. So, like, Hikuleu. Hikus. Is what he... I, that's the best I could come up with. It didn't make sense otherwise. Uh, and... I guessed Hikuleu because... Once again, with the benefit of hindsight, that's a match down the line. So, anyway. Um... So, uh, but Kevin Kelly at the end of this, he says, that's the end of the Lions Break Tour. And the Road to New Beginning USA Tour begins next week. Uh, so, of course, that's the Road to the US title defense. Feb 9, next week. And uh, as stated, Road to New Beginning USA Tour begins. There's a new little kind of second opening signature, which Moxley's included in. And, oh, you got to start back up here. Kevin Knight versus the DKC was the first match on this one. Knight has a double leg crab on DKC, but after his little dancing falling chop that I mentioned earlier, the DKC wax on a triangle-like submission, except one leg is across Knight's throat. Um, I, I've seen this before, but I, I don't, I can't remember where I've seen, maybe it's not the Hell's Gate, is it? It might be Hell's Gate. The Undertaker move. Anyway, um, the clock's nearly out of time for this match when he actually submits Kevin Knight with that move. And Knight says, DKC is a hell of a fighter and Shibata made the right call accepting him. Uh, of course, after the match. And then, um, Kevin Kelly interviews John Moxley. Uh, he says, Moxley, that the he hates the way the Bullet Club conduct themselves. He's excited. Oh, he was excited when he saw Kenta debut for New Japan. And he was there in the locker room at that time. And he knew their paths would cross eventually. Next match here was Bateman, Mysterioso, Adrian Quest, and Jordan Clearwater. Versus Brody King, Barrett Brown, and the local, <laughs> the Logan twins. Oh, look at me turn it into bloody Kozlov. The Regal twins, Sterling and Logan. So um, they come out to Brody's theme, but the Regals are well into it, just rocking out. The other team awkwardly entered to Bateman's electro carnival theme as a complete odd quad. The Regals go to work on Clearwater, but Brody joins in with a 
sickening chop. I actually remember this. Just people say, oh, it sounded like a gunshot. This one actually did. Big Papi Pump is in next, but uh, it's not much of a match for King, who scoop slams everyone onto Mysterio, so uh, nearly including the referee. Bateman hurts his elbow by slamming it into Logan's skull, then Logan spites Bateman with a nasty DDT. King tags in, and Bateman does not tag out. He cops a pile driver, but the match breaks down into a bit of an all-in brawl from there. Brown hits Quest with a crazy flipping inverted DDT. The Regals are taken out by Clearwater, who is then kicked in the mouth by Brown. Bateman tombstones him, though, and that's the finish. Bateman on Brown. And he dances to his music. He, This is Bateman. He thinks he won the match alone, and he backstage forces handshakes on each one of his teammates and then kind of winks at the camera as he's telling them they did a good job. And... Um, Two out of three of them are insulted by this. Clearwater's just pumped about the praise. Doesn't seem to understand that it wasn't quite sincere. Uh, and then Barrett, with the uh, the losers, he's really upset about the loss. But he doesn't say anything about it at this time. And then the main event was Ray Horace and TJP. Just a bunch of flashes of neon pink and green as these two fly, flip, and zip around. TJP is limp for a significant amount of time, and the reverie barely blinks. Ray Horace wins with a super victory roll, and its promo is mostly in Spanish. I think what I did with that one is just note the things that I thought was good. That's why it's so short. February 13th, New Japan Strong... Road to New Beginning USA Tour continues. Jordan Clearwater takes on J.R. Kratos. And uh, Kozlov's convinced here that Clearwater hasn't got a shot, but he doesn't seem to be intimidated by Kratos, though um, that might change when at the bell he's bowled over straight away. Kratos just throws him around at ease and a lot, but... Clearwater does have a proper go, and there's a few small sections of offense that he gets in, but there's a fisherman buster that ends the match in the favor of Kratos, and then after the match he says he's a no-bullshit wrestler. Clearwater takes two steps back every time he takes a step forward. This is him after the match, and he says, um, but he's, he's, our, he's our golden boy. Am I supposed to be aroused? by this Jordan Clearwater. I don't want to admit if I was or not. Um, I did notice, though, okay, two things, actually, to do with these promos. So, I actually wasn't going back and watching these um, previously. I think they took a long time to go up. Or or maybe I just was that... Um, maybe I just, I, I just missed them. Um... But, um, yeah, I just didn't notice these previously. I guess because they're under the Japanese um, uh, 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 show. You know, Japanese language show. That's where you find uh, the promos. But the fact that they would do promos after the match, um, I guess they just can't fit all of them in all the time. Or maybe they just put the best ones on the actual show. So I didn't realize it was extra ones I was missing out on. So I went back and listened to them all before I did this, but um, 
Anyway, yeah, so Kratos beats Clearwater. Then there's an interview with Kenta speaking to Kevin Kelly. He says he's been waiting for Moxley for a long time. He will become champion once they finally face off. He thinks he's a better New Japan ambassador than Moxley. He ends the promo in Japanese because his English is not very confident yet, but basically seems to say the same thing. And uh, middle match, Clark Connors versus Bateman. Kind of tries, but this is a Bateman match, and that isn't very interesting. Uh, Bateman wins with the tombstone, inexplicably. And then he speaks backstage, complimenting complimenting the toughness of Connors, and then uh, quotes that Tom Hanks movie, um, I'm the captain now. So he's not even an interesting promo. Um, Connors says he's done with losing and something's going to change. And that brings us to the main event. TJP, Ren Narita versus Danny Limelight and Chris Dickinson. And if you remember, the uh, strong episode just before this one. Sorry, not before this one. Before the first one I spoke about on the 30th. So I guess it would have been on the 23rd. Ren Narita beat um, Bateman. And that I thought was a bit of an upset because I kind of assumed they were they brought Bateman in and he's... I don't know, an interesting-looking guy, at least. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I figured they might have been pushing him, but n- no, they're pushing Narita. So Narita beat Bateman, and then Bateman beat Connors, so that kind of shows you how high up Narita is, because Connors has graduated at this point. He's no longer a young lion. This is the same as Ren Narita, in fairness, but anyway. So TJB and Narita both want to start, and TJB, the veteran... Um, beat us out <laughs> to Narita uh, so the young lion everyone forgot about and is able to kind of push uh, or convince TJP that he means more than him and he starts the match Dickinson handles him pretty easily though and he throws him back for TJP to tag himself in the good thing about Dickinson is that he will let TJP get some offense in, but not really any of his hokey, complicated submission holds. And oh, and then he lets him have one, but only for a second. And then Narita gets back in. And then just as you think Dickinson has bitten off more than he can chew because he's been in so long and, and, and now Narita's getting a bit back on him, he throws Narita on his head and tags in Limelight. Narita stands up to Dickinson. Limelight gets surfboarded by TJP because he needs to get his quota of bad moves in, but they otherwise have a pretty good run together. Narita cops a brain buster, then TJP taps to an SDF from Dickinson, who was the star of the match all along, as he should be. But Narita gets back in Dickinson's face after the bell, which uh, earns himself a DVD that Kozlov, once again, a professional broadcaster, calls a burning hammer. It's pretty different move. Like, I know it's the same motion, Kozlov, but they're either facing up or they're facing down. It's two different moves. The backstage winners, or backstage the winners, are in a celebratory mood. Dickinson admires the balls on Narita, but it wasn't enough. And uh, Limelight says TBJP has no chance in the first match they have had against each other. Um, or he says that, yeah, that's, he says that that match just now was the first match they've had, and he had no chance. Narita 
in his interview, doesn't even know who Dickinson is. He just calls him out as the bald guy. He says he wants a one-on-one -on -one match and he's going to crush him. Next show, February 20, New Japan Strong, LA Dojo. New Beginning USA Night 1. Now, I didn't notice this until after the event, but this is for some reason recorded as the first night of a two-part I guess I guess it must be just that it's like the prelims and then the next show the actual new beginning USA show that has the title match on it would be the you know the last three matches but that doesn't really make any sense because this show's just set up like pretty much any strong show so I don't know why they bothered but anyway so Ray Horace, DKC, and Barrett Brown versus Mysterioso, Adrian Quest, and Rocky Romero. Kelly speculates that Brown needs to start winning some matches or he might be cut from the roster. DKC goes hard at Big Poppy Pump. Have I said before how much I like that name, Big Poppy Pump? Because uh, he's got the chainmail headgear and oh, he's pretty buff. He's certainly no Big Popper Pump, but still. It's a good nickname. Um... So Big Poppy Pump, oh sorry, no, so DKC goes hard at Big Poppy Pump, and um, but he comes back with a really impressive one-arm powerbomb. And then Mysterioso is in, oh, the, the bright purple he was in was affecting my screen's contrast settings. It was, it was hard to look at. Um, Barrett breaks up. A submission by Rocky, which is quickly dealt with. And Rocky goes back to beating on DKC. He gets another shot at Rocky once Hor Horace softens him up and is, well, aggressive, if nothing else. His teammates clear the opposite corner and Rocky is triple teamed, though it is a rather tame attack. Mysterioso and Quest come back and do a better job of clearing their opponents, leading to Rocky tapping Brown with an armbar. So backstage, Brown's pretty pissed off. He rants about his lack of success. He says he needs this job and storms off, which was a pretty good promo. Like, it actually made me care about Barrett's next match. I I either... Well, I don't, I don't know. I'm not like a massive fan of him. I kind of don't want him to lose because I don't like to see someone lose their job, I guess. But And I guess I don't really need to see an authority figure on this show either. Um, and then Rocky, after this match, he thinks that the team could challenge for the six-man titles. So, um, that was the opener. Hikuleu versus Fred Rosser. I mentioned this earlier about the Higus line by Rosser. Oh, I noticed that Hikuleu is using the old, the old Gorillas of Destiny theme. Which is great news to me, because that's a great theme. And... I really like that. You know, the 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 gorillas have moved on. But um well what is it? It was um the one they've got now is that G O D has landed or something like that. Dun -dun 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 -dun, like that one. What was the old one? Um like the helicopter one? Oh, maybe I'm thinking... Oh, gee, I can't think of it now. Oh, no, like the Snoop Dogg one. Um, oh, really? Is there any point to me trying to beatbox it? I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, anyway, it's the old Gorillas of Destiny thing that Hikaleo comes out to, and I like it. 
that's it. That's all I really had to say. So, um, th- I mean, this is a big challenge for Rossa because in storyline, he's been kind of the leader in the fight against the Bullet Club. And um, in terms of a challenge, of course, I refer more so to how green his opponent is. Uh, but Hikale launches into Rossa and he, he shoves him into the corner. He goes in swinging wildly. Rossa picks him apart until a lariat crashes him down to the mat. He jumps on Hikaleo's back and tries to wear him down, but he's crushed into the corner again. Rossa pops up and clobbers him from the turnbuckle, but gets kicked off the t- up and over the top rope in retaliation. That leads to a power slam on the light padding on the outside. For some reason, the count gets restarted after the referee checks on Rossa, allowing Hikaleo to bend Rossa around the ring post. And Hikaleo slows the match down to his pace, just staying on top of Rossa. It's a, it's a heelish lull that makes sense, but without a crowd, it's kind of less effective. Rossa dodges a kick and Hikaleo crotches himself on the top rope. Rossa desperately attempts a comeback, selling his midsection strong, but he cannot properly lift Hikaleo, leading to a huge choke slam. Rossa kicks out at 2, not 2.9, at 2. Hikaleo goes for the Tongan Driller, but Rossa slips out, goes for the black slide, sorry, the backslide, pulling down um, Hikaleo by his hair and winning the match, which is kind of weird booking. I mean, Ross is getting dominated by a rookie as the babyface and wins it with a hair pull. Um, but having said that, the match is better than expected. Uh, I didn't mind this match at all, actually. Hikaleo takes his frustration out on the ringside attendant, slamming some poor fellow, and then uh, tells his commentary team to shut up, and Koslov quickly does and recommends that Kelly does the same. And then backstage, Hikaleo says that uh, he's the bad guy. He's the one that's supposed to be doing that. So he wants a rematch, and he wants a new ref. And then the main event in this one, oh, I guess this is kind of a big match. Um, oh, you know, but is it is it really that... Would it really be that out of place on a normal strong show? Leo Rush versus El Fantasmo. So Rush, apparently, um, if you recall, well, not apparently, if you recall, he once, he, he got that low blow leading to his elimination from the Super J Cup by ELP. So of course he wants revenge and uh, goes about it with a bunch of flamboyant chain wrestling. But at least he doesn't, fall for the handshake trip trick he does get a nipple cripple though um, uh, still somehow after that manages to build some momentum does rush and he knocks ELP out of the ring Phantasmo takes the opportunity to call his own timeout and returns to take advantage with his usual antics at first but rush manages to take back control rush's bottom rope springboard stunner is kind of silly but I like it it's cool um, he goes for the frog splash, but ELP moves, or actually he sees ELP moves, and then um, he sees a low blow punch coming, and he catches it between his legs, using that to help cradle ELP up for another two count, albeit a close one. Rush goes for what looks like an unprettier, but ELP pushes him into the referee, then nails him with the sudden death super kick, and it's a good sell by Rush. He looks like he's knocked out stiff, so... ELP gets the pinfall victory. 
After the match, Rush thinks ELP cheated, but he can't blame him. He would do the same thing, and maybe the fact that he isn't willing to do that is why ELP has been more successful. Rush will show the world that he is the man. And then ELP says that Rush is successful in anything he does, or in everything he does, except for his music, but he cannot defeat the ace of the junior division. Of course, ELP is referring to himself. He tells everyone to ask New Japan for a shot. He tells him, oh, he tells uh, Rush to ask New Japan for a shot in the best of Super Juniors. He, ELP, is the man of the century of the multiverse. He shouts out Rick and Morty. He just rambles nonsensically, really. Uh, and then at the end of the show, Kozlov appears to offer Phantasmo out in the wrap-up segment. He kind of gets really mad and then realizes he got way too mad and it's awkward. So Kelly, he's confused and he just moves on to the main event of the New Beginning USA card coming up. Uh, War Part 2, I guess, of the New Beginning uh, USA show. And that occurred on, well, it didn't occur on, it was broadcast on February 27th. Opener, Brody King, ACH, Regal Twins versus TJP, Kevin Knight, DKC, and Clark Connors. So uh, Brody's team all wear balaclavas like his to the ring, but um, ACH actually keeps his on. And he, uh, ACH, wins with a brain buster. TJP tries to teach the young lion something in front of the camera each, or asks each of them what they learned and you can tell neither of them were prepared for this question they kind of just said something like um uh it was like something like you know they got to take their chance when they get it or whatever and but what's even worse is that tjp doesn't isn't ready for their reaction either so it seems like he's not even sure if he's going to tell them that that's correct or not and it's just kind of anything with tjp in it is an awkward promo unfortunately the, me- the next match was a good one, though. Chris Dickinson versus Ren Narita. And these two just crack each other. It's a really strike-heavy battle. Um, and it's a lot of fun. It's worth a watch. I didn't write a, no- a lot of notes, though. I think I just watched it. So it's the Scorpion Deathlock that ends the match in the favor of Narita, which is a huge surprise win, I thought, for the youngster. I, I actually not sure how much I like it, to be honest. I don't think Chris Dickinson's really hurt from it, but um, I, I mean, they really, I mean, he's a guy that should be going for the title, in my opinion. Um, not that that stops this from happening, but anyway. Backstage, Shibata comes into the press area and slaps Narita really hard twice. He's saying, I'll teach you to chop. This is a chop. And he's just smacking him in the face. And Arita's like, yes, sir, yes, sir. Uh, and Dickinson basically just states that he wants a rematch. And then that brings us to the main event. The IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. Kenta finally cashing in his briefcase on John Moxley, the IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion. Rocky Romero joins the commentary team for this one. Mox knocks Kenta out of the ring. But it is the champion that gets suplexed onto the hard floor. Kenta goes and grabs his briefcase and DDTs Moxley's head into it. And the referee just sees no issue with this. Um, I think I remember the commentator saying something to do with it being on the outside of the ring. Um, I, you know what? I might sound like a huge noob here, but I didn't remember that being a, 
a rule in New Japan. And if it is, it's a ridiculous rule. Just because they're outside the ring, they can murder each other? That doesn't make a lot of sense. If that's the case, then they probably shouldn't be allowed to get out of the ring. Anyway. Um, he Well, I guess they were in the ring when Kent is punching him in the head because the referee was well against that. Moxley catches a kick and sends Kenta out of the ring again, but this time he flies out after him. And then he leaps off the stage at Kenta with a knee. Moxley pulls out a table, which appears to be more of an American table than a Japanese one. Kenta hits Moxley in the head with the title, though, and it lays him out on the table. And so uh, Kenta climbs up the turnbuckle, elbow drops Moxley through the table, and they both take their time making it back to their feet, but Moxley is the one nearly counted out. Uh, as soon as he return, Kent returns, Kenta goes in for the kill with a drop kick and his double foot stomp. He tries to go to sleep, but Moxley fights out and after eating some slaps, hits a lariat. Kenta counters mounted strikes into game over, which is reversed back once, but is soon thereafter secured again. Moxley struggles to the ropes. Kenta takes too long setting up his next move and Moxley clobbers him with another lariat and then Moxley attempts the death rider which is counted into a go-to-sleep attempt. There's a few strikes in between from Kenta that land but when that fails a flash DDT drops him, the pin only lasting two uh, but it's not like a proper you know, death rider, double underhook DDT so Kenta's still alive, he gives him both middle fingers Moxley's undeterred, hits the Death Rider in full force and wins the match by pinfall to retain, which was a little bit surprising to me as well. I kind of figured that this was a one-off and they didn't, you know, Moxley's under contract with AEW. Uh, I think it's part of his contract that he needs to um, wrestle only in the uh, in Japan for New Japan. So this is obviously an amendment to that contract. And um, I won't say it, but there's an agreement. There's an agreement of some kind. So that was kind of exciting. I mean, I like Moxley. He's not my favorite, and he's not my favorite style, but I like him. He's a good. He's definitely a good promo, and that's good to have around. I mean, he's certainly got a good match in him, and having someone that's a good English promo is certainly something this show needs. Um, but even just Japan and New Japan, I should say, in general. Uh, although having said that, Moxley's promo backstage is short and to the point. He says he loves wrestling for New Japan. He goes where he wants, when he wants, and he's the baddest in the game. And that brings us to the New Japan Strong Show that was only a couple days ago, on the 6th. So it's now the Road to Strong Style Evolved Tour, but that's also the Road to the New Japan Cup USA as I'm, I mean, this show does have a tendency to kind of, things just kind of pop out of nowhere, probably because it's taped so far in advance, but um, they, I mean, they they were ready for this one, there's some uh, New Japan Cup qualifiers in this episode, Um, and you know what, it actually starts with that, in fact, it's um, Leo Rush and Rocky Romero is one of the qualifying matches, and they film themselves for the for their promos for their um, kind of uh, you know the pre-tape promos. It I like that because 
both of them are kind of in their own element. Like Leo Rush is just hanging out outside. He's in a hoodie and, you know, I mean, he's just, he's dressed the way he normally would be. He just looks like he's in the clothes that he would normally wear. He looks like he's in a place he would normally be. And he's just doing a selfie uh, promo. Um, And it makes sense that a young guy like him would do that. And then there's, actually, I don't know how old he is. He looks young. And then Rocky Romero, on the other hand, he has like set up his camera to sit in front of, like he's sat down, he's in front of a fireplace, and it's just a bit more of a professional setup. But that's what Rocky Romero would do. He's more of a veteran. And I just like the fact that they're the directors of their own promos, just for this anyway, just for these little ones, because it gives them a bit more character. Like it gives them, it's just another way to show who they are to differentiate between them and and it's modern it's um it also allows them to have a bit more of a natural feel because they're kind of you know doing it their way so you know i don't want every single promo to be this way but i think this is a good idea for these kind of pre-taped ones um yeah anyway just thought i'd call that out it's a good thing since i'm kind of negative on this show sometimes or about this show um, uh, what did they say exactly though basically uh, Rocky said that if he won the tournament he wouldn't challenge Moxley he'd challenge for the junior heavyweight championship and Rush says that he's got something to prove to himself he considers Rocky a legend so that's a good person to prove yourself against the opener was a good one Alex Coughlin and Carl Fredericks make their return uh, and they return as a tag team together Versus Kevin Knight and Clark Connors. Um, Coughlin is still... Or Coughlin, actually. I think Coughlin is how you pronounce it. It's still the young line. But he's um, he's really fired up. Actually, I noticed on the mat um, there's a strong symbol. Have they always had that? Is that new? The New Japan strong symbol on the mat? Or was it just a blank blue canvas before? Anyway, I noticed that. Maybe I'll go back and check that. Um, Coughlin, dev, oh, he deadlift, gun wrench, let me start this again. Coughlin, deadlift, gut wrench, suplexes, Connors and Knight together. That was cool. He's a big dude, by the way. He's got a great look. Um, he actually was in the blood show, <laughs> blood show, blood sport show. Um, well, but there was two of them. There was uh, number four and number five. I watched those. I didn't. I wasn't sure if it was worth doing a podcast over him. It's kind of just I'm kind of focused on New Japan at the moment, aren't I? But um, those were good shows, and he was good on them. Um, so it was good to see him back. And but now yeah, it's good to see him back in a New Japan ring, in particular. Um, and that was a cool move. Um, right after that, though, he eats a spear from Connors. Knight springs up higher than Fredericks's head to land a drop kick. He's got some hops. That kid. Coglin throws Connors out with a fall away slam, then chops Knight into Fredericks, who grabs him with a sleeper, then transitions that into the DDT for the win. Then after the match, Fredericks says it felt good to be back. He welcomes Coglin back as well. Coglin has been out seven grueling months. He says there was a time he didn't know if he would ever be doing this again, so he's never going to take it for granted again. Um, he was really intense in that promo. And then we have the two New Japan Cup USA qualifiers. So this is just going to be... 
an eight-man tournament and as kind of suggested earlier the winner should get a, ma- uh, a match at for the um the u.s title so a match with moxley and the first qualifier was dkc versus tom lawler and credit to dkc he goes right after lawler without fear his brazenness gets him further than most would have expected i think but um, the tide eventually turns and eventually and inevitably really there's a, an armbar attempt that's defended by Lawler, and then he maintains a cravat and lands some knees to the head. DKC drops behind, but Lawler turns that into a Russian leg sweep, then locks in the figure four. DKC makes a comeback with a guillotine and a suplex, but then suffers a huge urinage. Uh, not to be kept down, DKC launches into an armbar attempt, but Lawler lifts him up, puts him down with this pretty cool inverted power slam. At least that's what I thought it looked like to me. And uh, then the subsequent PK finishes the match in Lawler's favor. And he enters the USA New Japan Cup. After the match, Lawler is a fan of DKC. And he thinks he's has a, a future. Unless he keeps fighting guys like Lawler. Everyone in the New Japan Cup is going to get the same treatment, he says. And then the DKC says that he will keep coming back for more punishment. Basically, he's just not going to be held down. And then the main event was Leo Rush and Rocky Romero. I've got to be honest, I always kind of struggle to come up with notes for this match. Kind of like the last, um, uh, the, the, the Ray Horace and TJP match. I, I, I just, I struggle to come up with notes because I really try to not just recite moves. I try to talk about the story behind the moves. Even if I'm telling you what moves were done, like the reason they were done a little bit. I, I try to do it. I don't always do it. But with moves, with, with matches like this, I kind of just feel like they're just doing moves. Um, there was a, a DVD from Rush that earned a two count. That looked pretty cool. Actually, there was a really cool spinning back kick from Rush, but it was kind of like a sweep spinning back kick because um, Romero was like on his knees. So he had to be um, low. It just it looked really cool. Um, but then Rocky counters Rush's finish and they trade pins back and forth until Rush comes away with the victory. He, uh, he gets the pinfall. So, um, Rush really respects Romero. As he said before, he offers his hand after the match and Rocky shakes it. And then after the match, Rush says that he will be one of the best junior heavyweights in New Japan's history. And he became discouraged for a time, but he's back now and he will be the USA New Japan Cup winner. So um, that was that. He um, oh, we went this whole thing without motorbikes, and then ten race passed. <sighs> um, surely Leo Rush isn't winning. I got to imagine. Well, I I guess I said it before. Dickinson. I would rather see Dickinson win than Lawler. That's a more in- interesting match to me than. I mean, Lawler, Lawler and Moxley's a good match too. And Lawler's definitely a guy that can be representing the brand, but I'd be going with Dickinson, personally. Although I guess they can build him back up a bit more, I guess, or, or just, yeah, build him up a bit more before they do it, but... Well, whatever. Um, That's it. That's it for this. I... General thoughts? I do think these shows are getting better. 
Um, I've already said it. Dickinson's a great um, addition, but Coglin coming back and Fredericks coming back, that's that's cool too. Um, and you know, I I kind of I foresee there being more guys, even if they're part timers, even if they're part time Japan, part time USA. I'm sure we'll see some other guys coming over. Like I'm looking forward to Juice being back for for one. I think he's a, definitely a guy that can be champion. Um, so yeah, look, Moxley, Lawler, Dickinson, Juice. You've got a little. I mean, and Kenta as well. You've got a little group of guys that are worthy of being a champion there. Um, and you're able to build a little promotion around. So, yeah, I hope things keep ramping up for it. Because <laughs> otherwise I've been wasting my time watching this bloody thing. But, um, no, I, I, look, I'm very negative on it sometimes, I feel. It's a very bare-bones show, but... Look, I mean, I tell you what, I'm watching it over. I'm watching it over an awful lot of other programs. You know, I'm not watching WWE. I'm not watching AEW. I'm not watching. I'm not even watching Ring of Honor anymore. And that's like getting some praise for the way they're doing their um, uh, uh, pure rules stuff. It seems I was actually wrong about that when I stopped watching it. Um, I kind of made the comment that I think they're just going to go back to doing what they're doing and every now and then they'll do a pure match. But because um, it seemed that way when I was watching those last couple episodes that I watched, it seems that they kind of they just went back to having normal matches and there was maybe a pure match on the show. So I guess I gave up on it too soon. Um, maybe they changed their ways a little bit in that lull and realized that they had a good thing there. Because um, I'm pretty sure now it's like a really big part of their show. Um, and if I had more time, I'd, I'd go back and I'd I'd get into it and, and watch those shows. But this is pretty similar, I think. I think I think you get pretty similar quality on these New Japan Strong shows. To be fair, to those um, pretty similar to the Ring of Honor pure stuff, I think. Uh, obviously, the, the extra rules that they have, I I do like those, um, the rope breaks and stuff. It adds to it. It's good. But um, anyway, that's a different topic. Um, I don't know how long this New Japan uh, Cup USA is supposed to last. Uh, I'm guessing there's going to be eight qualifying matches. So that'll be four weeks. And then the tournament, that seems like a long time. I don't think they'll do that, surely. Um, gee, I don't know. Well, actually, no, hold on. It's eight participants, not eight matches. So, no, I think next week there'll be two more qualifiers, and then they'll get into it. No, that can't be right, because they still need eight participants. That's four weeks. Oh, bloody hell. I don't know. We'll wait and see, folks. We will wait and see. I um. I don't know. I've, they've got some talent, though. You know, there's actually they they can definitely build someone up that's going to be a proper match for Moxley. And I tell you what, when you were watching this show six months ago, you wouldn't have been able to say that. So it's come a ways. It has come a ways. But um. Yeah, look, I know this was late, and I know. 
it's really kind of just a a filler of a show but i am keeping up with it so i may as well do some podcasts on it the next one um that i'm doing is going to be i've I've got some uh more historical stuff coming up and i think that'll probably be next because the um the new japan cup in japan um i don't know i guess maybe when the first round ends i'll review all the first round matches or something like that but I won't comment on it yet. We'll, we'll leave that for its own podcast. And until we get to those, thank you for listening. Have a good one.